Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University. I'm Jared Piles, and with me is Dr. Rob McDowell. We both work at the Center for Teaching and Learning, and we're continuing our series on servant teaching today with one of our faculty here at Cedarville University from the Bible Department, Dr. Tom Hutchison. Thank you for joining us today, sir. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. We appreciate it. As you're familiar, we're going through this series on servant teaching. And so we wanted to bring you on as someone to talk about it and how you put it into practice, into your teaching. First, before we get there, talk more a bit about what you teach, what your discipline is, and how you ended up here at Cedarville. Yeah, my specific title is Educational Ministries and Applied Theology. And so a lot of the courses I teach when I explain to people from the outside is just I teach church ministry classes primarily. And then I also teach some of the Bible minor courses, teach Bible and the gospel and theology too. My path to Cedarville started well over 40 years ago when um, I was looking for college and through a person at our church out doing a revival meeting, talking to someone at that church who had heard of Cedarville, who passed it back. And the biggest criterion was finding a school that had a, it was a Christian school that had a degree in math. And they weren't easy to find in the circles I was in, to be honest. And so I found Cedarville to come and study math and education. And I did finish a degree in math and certified for secondary level education as well. Um, I spent a summer leading wilderness trips in Colorado, teaching backpacking and rock climbing, and then went to seminary. Um, and as I did, I thought I'd take maybe a, a year and then teach math and Bible, but I'm kind of a lifer student and I got hooked on theological studies. So I finished my MDiv, stayed very involved in college ministry and higher ed, became an associate dean at another Christian school for a couple of years and thought about higher ed, um, but God had reinvigorated a passion for the church. And so I then went to Milwaukee and spent eight years pastoring, working hands-on with youth ministry and all the Christian education and also preaching and counseling and the range of things that I just loved. But at the same time, I had started my doctoral program, which is in education. And so my desire to pursue the doctorate in education was to think about theological education and everything I did in my program was related on the, to the church. And I actually did my dissertation related to adult education and adult teaching in the church, um, all to help us think more carefully about how to teach more effectively within the church. But then God led me back here when I got a call saying, hey, we have a position and it would involve teaching theology and kind of church ministry and a focus on teaching. And it just, you could see how God had been leading for a whole lot of years to get to that point that just made very clear that this is where he wanted me to be. One of the things that um, we've really honed in at, honed in on as, as CTL is, one, obviously servant teaching. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But the other one is the importance of philosophy, the philosophy of education, and why that, you know, is such a, a big thing. And you said theology, obviously. Theology being one of those things that we talked about last time. Uh, it's part of our metaphysic. And could you speak a little bit more towards what your personal philosophy of education gives a 30,000-foot view? Because I know it could get really detailed. Yeah, and we could obviously talk a, a whole lot more about it. 
But I think the the misnomer is that somehow philosophy is something I learn or something I add, like new content, rather than saying it's basically a perspective on things, a, a lens through which you view things that prompt you to interpret a situation and then respond to that situation. And the reality is everybody has a philosophy. So that when we start talking about teaching, the question is not how do I acquire a philosophy? The question is what is your philosophy? And most often they're unexamined. And, and one particular um, educational researcher, as he looks at it, identifies that there's certain variables or certain factors present in every classroom. And how you view those and the relationship between them shapes how you approach the classroom, how you interpret whether things are good or bad and how you make adjustments and what you do. And the basic variables are in every classroom, you have a teacher and you have students and you have content. And then the relationship between those, what should be the relationship between the teacher and the student? Is it a mentor? Is it a friend? Is it a scholar, researcher from which you gain expertise? Is it a coach? Uh, and then what's the relationship between you and the content? Are you <clears throat> the expert who can dispense information? Are you a living example of what it looks like in practice? And then what's, what do you want the relationship to be like between the student and the content? That is, should they be mastering it to live it out? Do they need to become more scholars? And, and when you understand the relationships between those and put the final factor, which is the context you're in. So it may look a little different as I start thinking about teaching at home or teaching in the church or roles in my community or here as a professor. Every classroom has those basic variables with the teacher, the students, the contents and the context you're in and then how they relate to each other. And the question is, or the issue is, I think many don't often stop and pause and ask, what is my understanding of each of those? What is the place? What's their role? What should be happening? And so as a result, they go in and basically duplicate what they have in their past. Funny, because I often find that people will go in and duplicate things, be doing things, and if you really stopped and had them examine it and look back, sometimes they're doing things that they hated when they were going through school. They weren't helpful. They were harmful. And yet they turn around and do it often because we don't pause and reflect on those variables and the key people and the content involved and, and how they should relate to each other. As we look at our own philosophies of teaching. Jared and I have had those conversations. You know, why do we do what we do? Uh, one of the things that just really has hit home to me over the past few years is that foundational spot and that servant teaching model is what really came out scripture for me personally, but I think it also has for, for Jared as well, and it seems like what you're saying matches with that. Now, we kind of have a we kind of have it defined, you know, as empowering learners by removing barriers, building on their unique strengths, and providing opportunities to succeed. Can you kind of react to that a little bit and then also give us your understanding of, of servant teaching? Yeah, honestly, I read through some of the questions that you had ahead of time. They, they were helpful to give some insight into the way you're approaching it, and I would certainly affirm the things you're trying to accomplish and the way you do it. But there were a couple places where I would kind of tweak and go, I think I would have asked that question a little bit differently or look at that. Hey, we're open to that. Because of my background and my philosophy sure. of teaching. Yeah. Because servant teaching is not a strategy or a tactic that I then implement in a classroom. Student teaching is an understanding of who I am, or servant teaching is an understanding of who I am. And so as a servant teacher, how do I do that well? That's a great question. But how do I use servant teaching sounds like I'm trying to somehow manipulate the process to get a certain end that I want rather than saying, by God's design, I'm a servant mm. in whatever relationship I'm in. 
you know, when he basically tells us that we should be servants as he is and lays the example of him coming, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the picture that for me often comes back when um, Peter in First Peter 5 writes to the elders, and I know it's directed to the elders, but I, I do think there's a, a clear parallel, and especially for those who are older and wiser and life experience who are guiding students along further, um, when he talks to them and says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That idea there is a shepherding role you have to guide and lead. And we can use a lot of different metaphors to describe teaching. But I think that one of shepherd has really helped me in terms of me having responsibility to care for this flock, to guide them towards um, safety, to protect them, to lead them to the places where they need to be, to really honor God. But then he finishes that passage by saying, and then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfolding crown of glory. That ultimately, I'm not really a shepherd, I am an under-shepherd. That God's flock, the flock that Christ died for, he has entrusted some of those to me to care for and work in their lives in ways where they're ready to meet him. And I think that whole idea of servanthood is keeping that focus that ultimately, I am a servant by design if I'm going to follow Jesus. But then in the teaching arena that I have to keep in mind that I am here to serve my students. It's their class, not mine. I'm here for their benefit, not for mine. And that reframes everything I do when I'm thinking about core structure, the kind of assignments, how I assess what's going on, the kind of feedback I give, the adjustments I make in classes. It's all about them and what's really helping them because I'm put here by God to serve them. I don't know if that helps give no, feedback. I, but I think it's great. I mean, it, you... I would agree with what you said, and I do appreciate your reframing of the question. I think the reason why we use servant teaching is a, it's it's a placeholder, and for some, for some, they haven't thought in this way. Um, and so, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's got to come from who you are as a believer in Christ first and foremost, and then seeking the, you know, seeking what's best for them. And I think you also put it in a, a very good light of shepherding. Yeah. And I, I know you, and I know what CTL does, and I've having worked with even Jared with you putting a class together last year, I saw that heart come through, and I appreciate it very much. That's why, honestly why I'm so comfortable having this kind of conversation, because I know where you guys are, and I know we're on the same page. It's just important to me to frame that question in the right way so I keep that, so that I don't think about, okay, what's the best strategy to use to get through this class or have other people tell me, hey, you're doing great or look for affirmation from other places instead of saying, ultimately, when I keep in mind that as God has saved me, brought me into his family, given me roles to serve within the family, or gifts to use, they're all for the benefit of other people. And so in my role as teacher, I am, by definition, a servant of Jesus Christ, who then is sent to these students to serve them. And that leads to then saying, so what are they ready for? What are they capable of doing? What are they going to be facing? How do I help them? How do I guard them against the dangers that are ahead they don't recognize and how do I equip them for the opportunities they have that's that's all part of my role then as a servant who's focused on how to best benefit the students God entrusted to me when it comes down to it how have you practically put servant teaching how have you shown that in your courses you probably should ask my students oh. <laughs> right I mean I can tell you the things I think about and 
but it's not like I'm trying to say I've got a corner on this or I've got it handled. It's a growing experience. And all through life, you find times where you're going, hey, I'm forgetting about what's most important and I'm focused on myself or other things instead and getting back on track. As we worked through putting a class online this last year, you know, the press you gave me to keep thinking about objectives and to make those objectives student-focused and student-centered. So that as I think about a course, the, you, you did phrase at one point where you, you, you talk about not me teaching content, but teaching students. And keeping in mind that I don't teach content, I actually teach students to understand and live out the content. And so having in mind those outcomes to say at the, the end of our time together, here's where students, we want to see them make progress. Here's kind of things they should know because that's important for them, but here's the level to which they need to understand them and here's the connections they need to make to what that looks like in practice in their field, and here's what they should be doing with it, and here's how it would, should, should change their self-awareness, what they're good at, where they need to grow. It should increase their ability to collaborate with others. It should ingre- increase their mindset of being a servant. And so to keep that focus is, is one, which means really designing objectives very clearly and thinking in terms of student outcomes and all of those things and the kind of things you want to see at the end of the course so that everything else you do in the class stays focused on that. And so, you know, in practical ways, then it it prompts me to think about the core structure and am I leading towards accomplishing those perspectives and those goals? You're always making decisions about what content you include and what you don't because there's so much you could cover and you have to leave some things out. Am I making wise decisions? Am I thinking about the students over the course of the semester, especially? It's true online as well, but, you know, in class when you've got like 16 weeks together, I think sometimes as uh, faculty, we can forget that students live really busy lives with really competing demands and really high expectations around here on everything they do. I will often have a buffer where I have a couple assignments that I know in in my, because, you know, I need to block out time to grade and I need to plan around my schedule, but I'll always have a couple assignments where I could easily adjust and push it back a week. Because I find if I just stop and go, hey, looks like there's a lot going on. I'd want to have a little more time for you to work on this. Let's just push it back a week. I've never had a student complain. And I usually, when I say that, see just like a sigh of relief. But it's all about watching them so that you're trying to serve in that role kind of as a coach, you know, giving them the words of encouragement, keep fostering them. Um, I'll tell you the place it becomes hard is in grading. Because there's times where when you're giving that kind of feedback, they really need to hear they've done a good job and those words of affirmation become really important. And so actually taking the time to repeat back to them, you did this well, this is great, you've raised good questions. Um, There are some students where you see they're wrestling through issues and freeing them to do that and licensing them to ask the hard questions. Um, There are times where a student needs a little bit of grace when you just go, I know you got this done late or you didn't do the quality you normally do, but I know what's going on for you in life, and so just get on with it. And so asking, what can I do to encourage them along the way? Support and affirm the things where they're making progress, but at the same time challenge them in ways they need to think more deeply and more carefully. And so there's times where I will give long written feedback and yet a high A. And I can tell students look at me like, I don't get this, and we even talk in class. I want you to have written feedback to improve for the level we're at, how much we've covered in class, all those kind of things you've done, everything I asked, you've done a really good job with it. And your grade shows that. So don't worry about your grade, but here's some ways you can improve and here's some ways you can work. And I just find students respond very positively because they can tell you're thinking about them and really helping them learn 
And I think that's just a reflection of seeing my role as a servant that at the end of the day, I'm going to be accountable for how I've helped them along and shepherded them through the learning experience. That's really good. And a little confession. You taught me. I remember being here and, and uh, Dr. Hutchison was one of my first Christian ed teachers. So we'll go back to the grade I got. It probably wasn't good, but I don't remember. He probably doesn't either. At least I hope he doesn't. It's one of the things I love about teaching. And I remember, you know, when a student stands out like that, like even you did, part of the joy of teaching is that students, the age they're at in college, have a passion for life and an energy and an excitement. And even for you, when I look back at you in classes, there's a window of time where you're asking really serious questions about yourself, what you can do, how you can serve God, where he wants you to be. I've done it long enough now to know that where they end up is not always where they thought they were going to be. So you probably didn't in college picture yourself working in CTL. Same way I didn't in college picture myself being a professor. Working with college students, they're so passionate and excited, want to talk, want to have input, that you, you offer time and they, they grab for it. I think those kind of things energize a professor that keep you more current, keep you excited about what you're doing, but you hope and pray that it's also helpful for them, not because I have an exact idea in mind of where you're going to end up, but just to equip you for the next step and better prepare you for what God has in store for you. One piece of advice that you would give a higher education instructor to start practicing servant teaching in their instruction. Do all your work preparing for classes with pictures of students on your desk. Huh. Why? Because ultimately what I'm doing in this class is for them. And um, those students change over time. You know, it is, it's one of the things, it's the change from church ministry to working here at, at a university. You know, in the church ministry, you can work with the same people for 15, 20, 30 years. Here, you graduate a quarter of your congregation or, you know, your class every year, and it's always new people. And I remember in one particular class, we're talking through generational differences, and I'll have the students in the class go, that's a really good description of us and our generation. And within two to three years, they're going, oh, that sounds a lot like my older brother. The students change, their needs change, their situations change. And we all know if you're talking to a friend and they're going through a difficult time or they're wrestling through questions, you respond a little more sensitively. You pay more attention to what you're bringing up and how you bring it up. I, I think the more you can be aware of what's going on for the students and thinking about them and prayerfully considering how you can help them, it shapes what you include in the course. It shapes the way you structure the class. It structures, as we talked about, how you approach assessment and feedback that you give them. Uh, it, it, it affects the way you encourage and support them. Um, if we're really going to say that my role here is to be a servant to the students, then I have to keep them forefront. And that is not in any way to discount the discipline and the content that they need to function well in their field. But it's to say I'm not a slave to that discipline and I'm not being competitive with others in my guild <clears throat> to somehow prove that I'm better than they are or good enough. It's really all about how I'm contributing to the students. And different faculty are stronger in different ways. Some are, are better in per certain areas or in communication skills or the way they relate to students or the way they structure classes. Just recognizing God wired us uniquely and saying, how can I use my strengths in this opportunity for this moment to impact these particular students? And I think that helps focus what you're doing and keeps that whole idea of servant teaching forefront. Thank you for coming on with us today, Dr. Hutchison. I appreciate it. Um, 
it's funny you uh this is a former instructor for you and in our next episode i'm going to have one of my own former instructors as well as jim leitenheimer joins us to talk about servant teaching as well but again thank you for coming on today it's i'm honored you'd ask and very much appreciate the conversation just i love working with you guys because the heart and the approach you have to teaching is just encouraging to me to be a part of and i've enjoyed collaborating with you and i'm sure hopeful that god has more for us to continue collaborating on together in the future thank you for joining us today uh join us next time thank you for joining us for this episode of the transform your teaching podcast please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform for more information you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu please consider subscribing to our blog focus found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog